Hey, Nonprofiteers, welcome to Nonprofit Biz Talk with your host, Tracy B. Allen, nonprofit strategist and owner of TVA Consulting. Nonprofit Biz Talk is about empowering nonprofit leaders with the knowledge, skills, strategies, and concepts to manage, build, and grow a nonprofit organization that will positively impact the community you serve. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Biz Talk with me, Tracy B. Allen, your nonprofit strategist. And today we're going to be talking about some common questions that people have about the board. What can you do? What can't you do? What is best practices and what's not? So that's what we're going to be discussing today. But before we get started, if you have not yet joined Nonprofit Biz University, you need to go on over. I'll put the link in the description so you can go on over and join. It is a library of resources and trainings that you have unlimited access to for a monthly fee of only $9.99. It's all of the trainings that you need currently. There's about 52 trainings in the university. And once you join, more trainings will be added on a monthly basis. So there's always going to be trainings added to the university. And the good thing about it is that if you have a question after you've taken one of the trainings and you want to ask me, you have access to asking me with your monthly fee of $9.99. It doesn't get any better than that, guys. So go on over, click the link, and go over to the nonprofit university and sign up today. Secondly, I'm also starting in January. I'm going to start back an academy called Nonprofit Made Easy. And Nonprofit Made Easy is a 12-month program that takes you from startup to actually bringing your dream to fruition. So every month we tackle a different subject area of the nonprofit organization. So everything from formation to getting funding, to finding a space, to doing your programs, everything, month by month by month. So by the time you're done, you have, you're done with the course, you have the knowledge and skills to actually run a profitable, successful, and most of all, compliant organization that will make the impact in the community that you're looking for. So it's affordable. And it's easy for those people who are busy and have so much going on that you don't want to pay for the traditional form of coaching. This is perfect for you. Every month we take different subjects. So it's in small bites so that you can easily digest the information and apply it. Okay, so that link will also be in the description. Nonprofit Made Easy starting January 2nd. Okay, so let's get into today's podcast. So, um, we get a lot of questions about the board, and I've done other podcast—I've uh, done other podcasts about board training and how to select the boards. But there's still a lot of common questions that I get asked all the time, so I want to address some of them here today. So, question number one is: How many board members should you start out with? Well. Um, most states say one in their bylaws. They tell you you only have to have one, but that doesn't make sense. So the IRS suggests that you have at least three board members. You should start off with at least three board members. 
an odd number always. So it's either three, five, seven, nine, eleven. You want to have an odd number because when it comes to voting, someone has to be the tiebreaker. So you always want to make sure you have a odd number. Does more board members mean more progress? No, it just means more people in the room if you haven't chosen the right board members. So the second question is how do I choose board members? How do I know who to choose and where do I find them? Like that's a huge question. Well, you don't want to choose your family, friends, your wife, your husband. You don't want to choose any of those people. You want to choose people who are going to bring a certain degree of skill level and knowledge to your board to help you for further your mission. If they don't have the knowledge and skill level, then it's like having dead weight on your board. Okay, so one of the ways that you can go about choosing your, the correct board members is by going out and doing a lot of networking, talking to a lot of people, seeing what they're interested in, and seeing if they're interested in becoming a board member. Um, the second question is, should board member pay dues? Absolutely, they should pay dues. Absolutely. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. If you have, you have board members, they should pay dues to the board. Whatever you want to charge, I always say start off at $500 a year. I think that's a modest amount. They don't have to pay it all at once. They can pay it um, quarterly or they can pay it all at once. It doesn't matter how they pay it as long as they're committed to helping the organization financially. And no, the next question is, do board members get paid? No, they do not. In a nonprofit organization, the board members are not paid. It is a volunteer service. So you have to make that very clear from the very beginning that they are not going to be paid for their services. And yes, they are expected to uh, pay dues to the organization. It's a donation. That's basically what it is. Dues are a donation. They're donating. They're your first line of funding for your organization. They're showing their commitment to your mission and vision and values. And that is what that is doing. So you can't ask other people to donate to something that you're not willing to donate to, to yourself. Just think about it that way. If you're not willing to donate to it, how can you now come and ask me to donate to something that you are sitting on the board of, but you're not willing to invest your own money into? Make sense? <laughs> okay. So the next thing is um, a lot of people want to know, well, okay, if the board members are not getting paid and they have to have a certain skill level and they have to pay dues, so if they come with those skill levels, can I utilize them for the services that they normally get paid for? I know it sounds kind of confusing, but it is. So stay with me. Um, so if you have a lawyer on your board, you cannot use the lawyer as counsel for your organization. That is what I mean. It is a conflict of interest. They're sitting on the board, so they cannot be the organization's counsel. They can look over um, documents, legal documents, to make sure that it's legally sound, but they cannot be the counsel for the organization. If you have a CPA on your board, you cannot use the CPA as your bookkeeper, your payroll clerk. You can't do that. It's a conflict of interest. So yes, they can look over and make sure that the things that you're outsourcing are being done correctly because they have that skill level 
and they can help out, yes, once in a while, but they cannot be that go-to person for that service. It becomes a conflict of interest. And when people are serving on the board and then they're doing that job as a an in-kind service, that's something that they normally get paid for, then they're not going to want to give you any of those dues that they signed on for because they feel like they're already doing that by giving you the in-kind service. It creates a whole lot of problems that you want to stay out of. And the way to stay out of those problems is to let the board members do what the board members do and outsource the other things. Like I said, they can look it over, make sure that, you know, the person that you hired is actually doing what they're supposed to be doing, but they should not be the person doing that job. That's not their job. So what is the job of the, the board? Next question. What's the job of the board? Okay, so the job of the board is to make sure that the organization is being ran correctly, that it is upholding its mission, vision, and values, that the finances are being used for what they're supposed to be used for. They're the governing body of the organization. That's what they do. They govern. Think about all the things that you know about the governor of your state, the governing body of the United States. That's what the board members are. They're the governing body of the organization. And they're there to make sure that the organization stays compliant. They make, they decide what salaries um, employees get, all of that. They make sure that all of these things are done according to the rules and regulations of the state and the federal government, okay? So another common question that I get is, can the founder of the organization sit on the board? The answer to that is no, they cannot sit on the board. Now, they can attend board meetings. That is perfectly fine for them to attend board meetings and give their... Um, they're two cents, for, uh, for lack of a better term at this point. They can sit on the board and they can give their two cents. They should, um, I mean, they can't sit on the board, but they can give their two cents in board meetings. So they should do that because they're the ones who are running the day-to-day -day operation of the organization. So they know more, better than most people what the organization needs and kind of how it should go. Now the board makes the final decision, but they can um, give their suggestions on what should be done moving forward. But, so this is called an ex facto board member. When the board does go to actually vote on whatever is on the table, that founder slash executive director needs to leave the room and the board members need to vote on that, whatever is on the table with them out of the room. So again, yes, you can attend board meetings. Yes, you can give suggestions, but no, you cannot vote. It is a conflict of interest because one of the things that the board does decide is what your salary is going to be. So think about it. How can you sit on the body that actually decides your salary, decides whether they want to fire you, whether or not you're doing a good job. They decide they evaluate you on a yearly basis. How can you sit on that board? It is a conflict of interest. You should not have your family members on the board and you should not be on the board either. It is a conflict of interest. Think about nepotism. Think about that. Okay, um, what else do I got, get asked often? Um, there's just so many questions. <laughs> um, board members, so what terms should board members have? Do they just sit on the board forever? 
or no? No, they don't. So when you start off your nonprofit organization, um, I like to tell people that it is your one and only chance to actually choose you, you as the founder, this is your only chance to actually choose board members. So you want to take your time and choose people who are even tempered, people who have a knowledge, they have a skill level to bring to the organization, people who you can work with. Because contrary to popular belief, the board can terminate you if they no feel that you're no longer an asset to the organization and you're no longer upholding the mission, vision, and values of the organization, even if you are the founder. They have the right to do that. So when you uh, bring in your initial three to five or seven board members, you should have them staggered. So you should have a few that um, will be two-term um, two-year term board members, three terms, maybe two, um, two, two-year term board members. So that means that they serve six years. Um, two terms would be maybe a year, uh, depending on how you set it up. Let me say that. Hey, nonprofiteers. If you're looking for one place where you can get all of the knowledge, skills, concepts, and strategies you need to take your nonprofit organization to the next level from an expert, then you need to head on over to TVA Consulting, where I have a plethora of courses and ebooks that you can choose from. The link is in the description. Depending on how you decide to set it up, that the terms will stagger so that everybody's not entering and exiting at the same time because that creates chaos for your board. Okay, so my suggestion is always have if you have five people, one person that's serving two years, another person that's serving uh, another two people that's serving four years, and another two people that are serving say six years. So, you know, in a year, in two years, you need to look for at least one board member. Two years after that, you're going to need to look for two board members. And two years after that, you're going to need to look for two more board members. So you stagger them so everybody's not entering and leaving at the same time. So when new people come in, they can train the new people because they already know what's going on. So that is how you kind of stagger your board members. Um, what else? should I talk about when it comes to board members? Um, if you have board members, one of the questions I get asked a lot is that my board is not, they're not active. Usually when I dig deep into why the board is not active or what I like to call a dead board is because the initial recruitment of the board member went wrong. So it wasn't made clear to that potential board member, what their duties would be to the organization, what was expected of them, how many times per month or per year that they would have to meet uh, with the board to make decisions for the organization. They were not made aware of the fact that they would have to pay dues. They were not made aware that they are expected to help fundraise for the organization. So they have a tight schedule or they're just not comfortable with the whole process. Because for a lot of people sitting on a board is prestigious and they like to say, oh, 
I sit on a nonprofit board. Like it's all glamorous, you know, to say that they sit on a nonprofit board, but that's all they really want to do is to sit on the board. They're not interested in actually um, being an active member of the organization. They don't want to fundraise. They don't want to come to meetings. They don't want to solicit in any form. They don't want to build partnerships with other organizations, with other board members from other organizations. They don't want to do anything but say that they're a board member of XYZ organization. So like I said before, you have to be very cognizant of who you're bringing onto your board. Make sure you have the hard talk, the hard talk with them in the initial stages of building your organization. People think that if they tell potential board members that they're going to have to fundraise a certain amount of money per year, or they're going to have to pay dues, and they're going to have to come to X, y, um, X amount of meetings per year, it is going to scare them off. It may scare them off. I'm going to be very honest with you. It may, in fact, scare them off. But if it does scare them off, that was not the right board member for you. Think about it. If it scares them off, it wasn't the right board member. If you are a man or a woman and you're going out on a single parent, a single dad or a single mom of three kids under the age of 10, and you tell the person who you're going on a date with, you know, you've been dating for a while, and you tell them that you're a single parent of three and they run for the hills, guess what? That person wasn't the right person for you. It's the same thing with your board members. If the person is ran off by the truth of what you're telling them that their duties are going to be, then they're not the right fit for your organization. But you have to be upfront. Nothing makes a person more angry and disenfranchised than being lied to, or if you want to call it having some omissions, which is still a lie. Be upfront, be honest with your potential board members. Do not let them walk into a situation and they're taken aback by the, um, the, by the gravity of what they're going to have to do to help you to make the organization successful. Let them make that decision on their own. This is how you get ghost board members because they came in and they were like, oh, what is going on? I didn't sign up for this. This is too much. And then you never hear from them. You email them. They don't email back. You call. They're not returning your calls. You know, they're just so super busy. They just go totally ghost on you because they are not ready, willing, or able to live up to the responsibilities of being an active board member. So again, you want to network and network a lot, and make sure you're choosing the right people to sit on your board. You want to choose the right people to help you further your mission. If you're not choosing the right people, you're going to end up in a situation where you're going to feel like you're on an island by yourself doing this all alone because the people you thought were going to help you to get from point A to point B have now completely disappeared. Okay, so let's wrap this up. You do not want to ever put your uh, family members or friends on your board. It's not about that type of relationship. I don't care if your family member, if your husband or your wife is, I don't care if your husband 
or your wife is a, um, a doctor. It really doesn't matter. Um, it's just a conflict of interest. Do not put them on your board. Go out and network, meet people. The more people that you meet, it's the better for your organization anyway. Um, make sure that your board members are well-connected in the community so that they can help you raise money. Okay, you want people who know people who know people so that when it's time to do your campaigning, your fundraise campaigning, they can help you to raise the funds that you need. Okay, so just think about it. You don't want to um, have all of your board members. Oh, before I go to that, your board, mem your board needs to be diverse as well. You need to have a very well diverse board. So diversity in age, sex, and nationality or race. Okay, so if you have five board members, all of your board members should not be middle-aged white men or middle-aged black men. That's just not cool. You need to have a woman on there. You need to have some Hispanics. You need to have some black people on there, maybe an Asian. You need to have a people of different economic levels as well. So you want to have people who are upper class. You want to have as much diversity as possible within your board and they have to be able to relate to the community that you are serving so one of your board members i always like to say should be from the community that you're serving because you live you're serving a community that's impoverished doesn't mean everybody in that compute community is impoverished there are middle class people living in poor neighborhoods for whatever reason they want to live there so you need to really take the time and canvas your community, do a lot of networking. And when you're canvassing, people will lead you to the people who you need to be led to in order to create the perfect board. Okay. No, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that if you do all of this, that your board is going to be perfect, but it'll be as perfect as humanly possible. <laughs> you know, a lot of the problems that we normally see with boards can be alleviated if you take the time to do the steps necessary um, to make sure that you are getting to the right people. Because at the end of the day, your ultimate goal is to serve the community that you have decided to start your nonprofit in, to make an impact in an individual's life so that that can make an impact in their family's life and that can also trickle down into the community as a whole. But you need a team in order to get it done. You cannot do it on your own. So it's not a me thing, it's an us thing, okay? And your board plays a big role in the us of it all, okay? So, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I think those are the top like five or six questions that I get asked about the board all of the time. And I really wanted to clear it up that, you know, you need to take the time. You need to make sure you're choosing the right people for your board. You need to make sure that they're bringing a certain level, a skill level to your organization, that they're diverse, that they understand that they're going to have to pay dues in the form of a donation to the organization because if they don't support the organization how can they ask someone else to support the organization um and they are going to have to fundraise and a lot of people are not going to be um they're not going to be happy about that part but that is just because there's a lack of knowledge so another thing that you really need to do for your board is to have yearly professional developments 
for your board to make them comfortable. Most of your board members or none of your board members are going to come in with probably a fundraising background. They're not going to be comfortable with soliciting or asking anyone for money, which is solicitation, just breaking it down. So they're not going to be comfortable with that process. But if you get the right trainer to come in and talk to your board and do some trainings on how to solicit without seeming like you're begging because that's what a lot of people like to say they don't want to beg anybody for anything then you can make your board more comfortably more comfortable so like in the first year you don't want to make the solicit their personal solicitation amount like twenty thousand dollars you may want to make it dollars so that they can ease into the solicitation process they can ease into the fundraising so if they're not comfortable with it, you know you're going to have to get professional development. Even if they tell you they're comfortable with it, you still need to get professional development so you can make sure that they're doing it right and everybody's on the same page. You don't want someone out there going rogue on your organization because it's still a reflection on the organization as a whole. So professional development is key. Professional development as a, a an organization is absolutely important anyway. So that is something that you want to think about. And that's it for today. Thank you guys for joining me on today's episode of Nonprofit Biz Talk. My name again is Tracy B. Allen, and I'm a nonprofit strategist. And until next time, bye. Okay, nonprofiteers, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us and remember that there's someone in your community counting on the services that your organization offers and it is your job to make sure you get it right.